Hey friends and family, what's going on? My name is Jeff, online campus pastor. I don't know how you found us, but you found us here on YouTube. Here we are. <laughs> hey, Pastor Matt is in a series called Election, and it is so good. In fact, if you want more out of this message, you can go to debrief.show for all that amazing content. Now, let's listen in. Our God is good, and he deserves the highest praise, which is hallelujah. So we're gonna raise that praise to him right now. Sing it with me. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. And I'll raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. And I'll raise a
Lord your God is in your midst. He is a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness and he will quiet you by his love. He will exult, which means he will rejoice over you with loud singing. We're not the only one singing in worship. God is singing over you right now in this moment. And there's songs of delight, of rejoicing, of gratitude. There's songs of victory. We often sing this next part as a call and response to each other. But today, let's sing this as a cry out to God, a bold declarative cry and ask that he would sing a little louder in this season with the same voice that he spoke the earth into being, with the same voice that he spoke to the darkness and there was light, with the same voice that he healed the sick and he raised the dead, and the same voice that he would sing songs of victory over us, his people. So come on, let's raise one cry. Let's sing it a little louder. Come on. Sing a little louder. As always, I've loved our time of singing with one another. You may be there and I may be here, but to God, he hears all of our praises and all of our singing collectively, no matter where we are. This past weekend at Sandals Church, we were actually able to offer a top-notch virtual leadership conference that went all around the world. We had leaders from education, pioneers of nonprofits, business executives in the marketplace, as well as ministry leaders share powerful insights to other leaders across the globe. 
If there is a place where we should be taking our leadership cues from on how to lead, it should be the church. If you missed it, don't worry. It's all on demand at sandalschurch.com slash leadership conference. You can go there to view all of this amazing content. We were able to offer this free conference because of your giving. Thanks for giving and thanks for helping so many people be better as a leader. If you want to partner with Sandals Church in this amazing work we do every single day, you can go to give.se or you can give on our Sandals Church app. We are currently in our series called Election and Pastor Matt has another message that would help us navigate this political crazy season. Let's listen in. Hey guys, thank you, thank you. Man, I am so glad that you are hanging with us in this difficult series where we talk about religion and politics. Election is all about seeing politics through the eyes of God. And today I wanna to talk to you about how to fight for what you believe in. I don't know about you, but there are moments during the week where I get passionate, I get pumped up, I get energetic, I get excited. And let me tell you why. Because as a man, as a Christian, there are things that I care deeply about. There are things that I think are right and there are things that I think are wrong. And so the question as Christians that we have to struggle with is, how on earth do you fight for what you believe in? What are you supposed to do when you think something needs to change. Maybe that change is in politics. Maybe that change is in your marriage. Maybe that change is with your kids. Maybe that change is with your own emotional makeup. What, what do you do when you believe deeply about something? This needs to change. Well, we're in this book called Joshua, named after our hero, Joshua. And he believes deeply in the call of God, that the land of God must change. And what's standing between him and the land of God are the people of Cana. And the people of Cana are evil. There, there are literally chapters in the book of Leviticus where you just read and you go, what, really people were doing this? Yes, Canaanites, and nowadays Americans. So welcome, right? But there were just things that were so evil, so egregious. And let me tell you something. Sometimes a person, people, cities, countries are beyond redemption. It just gets so bad, it gets so ugly, it gets so gross, i.e. Sodom and Gomorrah, God just says we gotta start over. We got to start over. And you see that. Praise God, since Jesus Christ, the way that he starts over is we put our faith and trust in him and we don't get wiped off the face of the earth. But that's coming, so that's why you need to know Jesus. <laughs> Joshua 6, 26. This is what Joshua says. He's passionate, right? He believes deeply in this. He say, may the curse of the Lord fall on anyone who tries to rebuild the town of Jericho. Now think about that. Jericho is the oldest city in the world of consistent inhabitants. Like it goes back, some say eight, some say 10,000 years of consistent people living there. It's literally like Temecula and Palm Springs had a baby. I mean, literally one name for the town is Jericho. Another name was the city of Palms. It's a beautiful place. There's a river called the Jordan River that runs right through it. And it's just a gorgeous place to live. So people have always liked to live there. 
But oftentimes when we live in nice places, we lose our sense and we lose our minds. And that's what happened to the people of Jericho. And that's why so many of you that are focused on moving to a location, it's not the location that needs to change in your life, right? It's your soul, your spirit. That's where God wants to do the work. That's what he wants to change. So Joshua chapter six, verse one, it says, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. Go figure. Jericho is an armed city. Jericho is a walled city. Jericho is a protected city. The people of Israel, man, they can't even feed themselves for 40 years in the, in the desert, right? They're like little children. Where's my cereal? And God brought it to them every single day. They don't know how to fight. They raise sheep, you know, for the Egyptians. They weren't allowed to be warriors. They don't know what they're doing. You know, they're completely lost. They wander around a really small area of desert for 40 years and they couldn't find their way. And here they are, but the people of Jericho were afraid. And you know why that was? Because they understood it wasn't the people of God that they were afraid of. They were afraid of the God of the people. That's what they were afraid of. Isn't it interesting how non-believers have more sense to spiritual things oftentimes than we do as Christians? I can't tell you how many times it's my non-Christian friends that ask me, well, did you pray about it? I'm like, well, why would I do that? <laughs> so the gates are tightly shut. Literally, the Hebrew says no one in, no one out. No one's coming in, no one's coming out. Like people are scared, it's like COVID, amen, right? They're all trapped inside going crazy. But the Lord said to Joshua, I want you to hear this. I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You see, that's what's amazing. When you let God fight for you, the battle's already won. When you fight for yourself and you do it on your own, man, it's on you. God says, when you trust me, when you follow me, man, I've already given these people to you. Oh, by the way, the king, the strong warriors and the fortified city. And you need to know in the ancient world, the most terrifying thing to do was to fight trained warriors. And especially when they were behind a walled city. I mean, literally there was nothing you could do in the ancient world, right? You gotta go over it. You gotta go through it, uh, you know, or, or dig underneath it. It was an incredible undertaking. And the people of Israel were not mighty warriors and they didn't know what they were doing. So God said, I've already defeated them for you. It's already happened. And you're like, well, why do we have to do anything? Because God calls us to obedience. He says, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each man carrying a ram's horn. And on the seventh day, you were to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing their horns. And when you hear the priests give one long blast of the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Listen to this. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight in to the town. Right? That sounds like a bad plan. Amen? Like that's a bad plan. I mean, it's a terrible plan. It's an awful plan. But look, when it, when it comes up with God, just go with his plan, whether it makes sense to you or not. God says, walk around the, you know, the, the town for, for six days. On the seventh day, you're gonna walk around it a bunch more times and then blow a loud horn and then I'll give, you, I'll give all of them to you. So I wanna talk to you today about how to fight for what you believe in. There are things that matter to you. There are things that you're passionate about. Like if you're a parent, you're deeply concerned about the world your kids are growing up in. Like if you're a person paying taxes, you're, you're, you're just scared to death that I have less and less to live on and the government's taking more and more away, right? I mean, the reason people lose their mind in politics is because there's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake. So how do you fight for what you believe in? Number one, never forget this. Never forget who the real enemy is. Never forget. I mean, one of the things that's so ugly in this political process is the name calling, the, the, you know, the, the, the stone throwing, it's just hideous. I was so grateful this week to watch the campaign between two gubernatorial candidates in Utah. 
Did you know that they did a commercial together? They did a commercial together. One stands on the one side, vote for me. And the other one's like, no, 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 vote for me. But they both promised to the people of Utah that they would be nice and kind to each other and that they would talk about issues and promise to support one another regardless of the outcome. Go figure, it made national news. You know why? Because nobody else is doing that. I wonder if these two individuals realize who the real enemy is. The apostle Paul writes a letter to Ephesians. These are his last words to this church in Ephesus, to these battle-trained, hardened individuals of the Roman empire. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strengthlessness of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The devil is scheming for you right now. He's coming against you right now. He's working right now in the midst of your family. He's working right now in the midst of our church. He's working in the midst of our state. He's working in the midst of our world and some of us are clueless. You say all oh, pastor, but the Democrats. All pastor, but the Republicans. That Donald Trump, right? That Joe Biden. Listen, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Last time I checked, the one thing Joe Biden and Donald Trump have in common is they are flesh and blood. That's not who we're fighting against, but against the rulers, against the authorities. Listen to these words, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Man, if you're in Southern California, I just want you to pause tonight. And I want you to look up into the heavens. You know what you can see right now? In Southern California, you can see Mars to your left and you can see Jupiter and Saturn to your right. Tammy and I were sitting in the backyard this week and I was just freaking out. You know what? We're a really, really small dot in a really big place. Like right now, we're sitting in the middle of a cosmic power that we don't understand, that we don't have words for. I mean, we just don't. We think we're so brave, we're so powerful. Oh, we've, we've gone to the moon. That's like literally like putting your toe out the front door and like, I'm an explorer. <laughs> I'm an explorer, watch out Dora, here I come. <laughs> we have no idea. You have no idea what's out there. You have no idea what's above. Against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Oh, pastor, I feel like the days are dark. Yeah, read the Bible. <laughs> Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There isn't just a personal God who loves you. There is a personal spirit who hates you and seeks to destroy you. And not only does he hate God, but he hates you because he knows the only way he can get at God is through you. Come on, parents. You know what it feels like when you worry about a kid? God, those sleepless nights. That's how God is in heaven every night because he looks at his children and his heart breaks because we don't listen to truth. We don't listen to love. We listen to the father of lies who by the way, clouds himself as an angel of light. The apostle Peter says, be sober-minded. You're like, I don't drink. You still need to be sober-minded. Don't be drunk on alcohol, weed, or anything else. Don't be drunk, be sober-minded, be watchful, pay attention. Your adversary, the devil, your adversary, he hates you prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Let me just tell you something, parents. You cannot invite the devil into your home and then get, at, get mad at what room he chooses to occupy. And some of you, you're so concerned about your child. You're so concerned about your son, your daughter. You're so worried. Who invited the devil into the house? 
Look, let me tell you something. What your kid is learning at school is not nearly as dangerous as what they're learning in your home. What your kids are seeing online is not nearly as impactful as what they're watching you do. You want the devil out of your house? Then you gotta invite Jesus in your house. You can't kick him out. You're not strong enough. You're not powerful enough. You think the devil's intimidated by you when you're like, get out of here. You think the devil cares? Ooh, you're scary. The devil's not afraid of you, but he is afraid of the one who loves you. He is afraid of the one who died for you. And if you call upon his name, the devil's gone. James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Have you ever done that? The reason you are forced into submission by the devil is you have never voluntarily submitted to God. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Why? Because the devil does not prey on strong Christians in the middle of the herd. No, 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 no. Come on, now you watch the nature channel. (laughs) You know why that is? When you're with the herd, you're well protected. And if you're not the strongest one in the herd, someone stronger than you is standing next to you. He is looking for the young, the weak, and the isolated. That's who he looks for. And some of you, you've made yourself a prime target because you've walked away from the herd. I don't need church anymore. I don't need God anymore. I can worship God on my own. The devil's like, preach, (laughs) preach. You see, the way you get the devil out of your home is you invite Jesus into your life. You join the herd. You join the herd. You got, you you got to invite yourself literally back into the church and just come back and say, look, man, I've been gone. I'm back now. Look, when you're with Jesus, there's nothing you need to be afraid of. When my kids were little, man, they were always afraid. Their favorite prayer was, Lord, give me good dreams or no dreams at all. (laughs) And they would ask me, dad, are you afraid? And you know what I would tell them? There is nothing more scary in this house than me. (laughs) Like my wife's always worried. Did you lock all the doors? I hope somebody comes in. (laughs) You know why this? Because I walk with the Lord, man. I walk with God. This week, man, some of our youth pastors thought it would be funny to hide in the back of my car at night. And they were just waiting because we're going to scare Pastor Matt. We're going to get him. Now, if you're looking for Christmas ideas, this is not one of them. But they were waiting for me and I got in my car. And right when I got in my car, these two heads scream out. And I said, hey, guys. And they're like, that's not the response we were looking for. That's because I walk with Jesus. Come on. There's nothing scarier in this car than me and Jesus. Let me tell you something. If Jesus walks with you, Jesus says, do not fear the world because I've overcome the world. Greater is he that is in you than is in this world. And you don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to be afraid. I told this story long ago, man. I remember I met this young man, came to church, wild-eyed, crazy. He said, Pastor Matt, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. I said, what? He said, I need to give my life to Jesus. I said, why? He said, you won't tell the cops. I said, I'm not sure. (laughs) And he told me the story. Some of you heard it. He said, I broke into an old lady's house last night. We thought she was gone, but she was there. Then we got in the house and we thought she was dead, but then she came alive. I said, what happened? He said, as we were carrying out her flat screen TV, she ran up to me, touched me on the back and said, Jesus. I said, what'd you do? He said, we dropped the TV and ran out. I said, well, why are you in church today? He said, she said, Jesus. She said, Jesus. 
and gave his life to Christ. Little old lady, man, didn't even, didn't even wake up when someone broke into her house. <laughs> but she stood up and she just started yelling, Jesus, Jesus. And these young guys ran, <laughs> ran. Listen to Jesus. Jesus says, behold, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents. Man, if your kid wants a pet and it's a snake, start praying. <laughs> start praying. Well, why, Pastor Matt? Well, it's been the symbol of evil for all time. Dude, it sees like predator. Man, it sees you. Scary. Get a little puppy. It's cuddly. It's sweet. It'll make your kid better. And then scorpions. Oh, God. You ever seen a scorpion? I mean, if there's something the devil made, that's it. That's it. A couple of years ago, Tammy and I, we went on vacation to Mexico. We found this wonderful all-inclusive resort. It was beautiful. You know what they didn't have in the photos? Scorpions. They were everywhere. They were on the sidewalks. They were in the grass. They were all over the place. But it was a beautiful place and we were right on the beach and we loved it. And so we were gonna go scuba diving. And so I got our wetsuits all ready and I left them outside. I know, you know what's coming. <laughs> I left them outside while we slept inside. And the next morning I got up, I got Tammy her wetsuit and she encouraged me to hurry because she didn't want me to be late. Why women do you ever encourage us not to be late? It's always you. And so because things work out the way they do, I'm fully zipped, I'm ready to go. She's not ready at all. And so I sit outside frustrated because I don't want to say anything that I'll regret later. You'll hear a little bit about that in a little bit. And so I close the hurricane proof sliding glass door. And Tammy's inside getting ready and we're gonna be late and I'm frustrated. And then all of a sudden, I start hearing this child scream. Ah, ah, ah! And I'm like, oh my gosh, I never saw any children. Where's this child? And so I open the sliding glass door to ask if Tammy hears the child screaming for help. And I realize it's my wife. She's screaming. She has the wetsuit halfway up and she's going, ah, 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 ah. She reaches down into the wetsuit, pulls it out, throws it against the wall. I scream, ah, and I kick it. And we're off the third, we're on the third story. The thing flies off the third story, hits the cement, looks up at us and crawls away. And that's when I knew Tammy walks with God. But now she won't go on vacation with me, dude. She just, scorpion, be gone. Can you even imagine and it had gripped her, dude. Woo! That's a woman. <laughs> listen to me, Jesus says, listen to me, that you're gonna have power over the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. My wife's still here today. Come on now, that'll preach. That'll preach. So how do you fight for what you believe in? The first thing is you gotta recognize, look, it's not your spouse. You say, well, I, I hate my spouse. Well, let me ask you this, what hates your marriage? Every single week, so many of you DM, I've given up hope, I've lost hope. My marriage is on the rocks, we haven't spoken. Pastor, please pray for us. Let me ask you to do something. Why don't you pray for you? Why don't you pray? Because I guarantee you, you didn't marry the devil, but the devil may be a part of your marriage. Start praying and just say, devil, get out of here, man. Jesus, come in here. You want to end a fight? I promise you, just start praying. You're screaming at each other, fighting over money, fighting over sex, kids, whatever it is. Just start praying, praying. Your spouse won't even know what to do. What are you, what are you doing? Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> that fight's going to end. 
I mean, they might flee, but the fight's over. So how do you fight for what you believe in? Number two, let me challenge you this. Practice using the powerful weapons of God. Listen to me, if you can't pray for a little thing, how on earth are you gonna pray for a big thing? That's why you pray and ask God to bless your food. You know your body's already gonna do its job. Dear Heavenly Father, please turn this Dorito into something healthy. Right, that's a miracle. It's a miracle. Can you imagine if you put in your car gas tank what you put in your tank and you ask your car to run? You're a walking miracle. Next time you're at In-N-Out, dump one of the milkshakes in your gas tank. See what happens. But you're like, yeah, I feel great. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4 says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Christians have always got it wrong when we fight like the world does. We're always wrong. Look, as soon as you take up man-made weapons, you are in a man-made war. And you better look at yourself. Right? Someone must, once said you must ch check yourself before you wreck yourself. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. So what do we fight with, Pastor? I'm so frustrated. I'm so frustrated. I'm so upset. The weapons God wants you to learn to fight with, listen to this, are contrary. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. If you can't get through to that teenager that you love so much, let God get through to him. You say, well, they won't, they won't let me pray over them. Wait till they're asleep. Can you imagine if your kid woke up and you're just like, hi, I'm the nominee, hi, yeah. You didn't have, if they just freak out, dad, what are you doing? Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> right, just start praying over them. Let me ask you this question. Has arguing worked? Is it making things better? Maybe instead of giving them a piece of your mind, you should give them a piece of Jesus. Here you go. Joshua used three weapons in this battle to take Jericho. One of the most evil cities, one of the longest standing cities in the history of the world. The first weapon Joshua used against Jericho was worship. And listen to me, men, this is your problem. And this is why you don't see the breakthroughs you wanna see, because you don't worship. You don't worship. Oh, your wife's worshiping, but she's half the family. The other half is like, oh, I just wanna see the game. You gotta worship God. The first thing Joshua tells the people of God to do to take down the city of Jericho is worship. Listen to me, all music is spiritual. All of it is spiritual. All music is an invitation. All music is worship. The worship of God or something else. And if you're a young person and you know all the lyrics to Cardi B, but you don't know anything that Jesus said, then you need to look at your life. You need to look at your life. You need to examine yourself. And all the old people, I miss the good old days. What were they talked all around what they were talking about? Where you needed a thesaurus to figure out it was about sex? Now they just tell us. <laughs> Look, all music is spiritual. It's all spiritual. Joshua 6, 8. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, just as he commanded the people, he said the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing trumpets. I don't even think it sounded good. <laughs> But they were obedient. There are probably young people who are like, they need to get a guitar, maybe a harp, something to rock with. <laughs> Listen, Christians fight over how we worship because we forget why we worship. Why we worship. And some of you are like, well, I don't need worship. Just give me the word, pastor. Just bring the word. Well, I'm going to bring the word. Elisha is one of the most powerful prophets of God in the Bible. He's more powerful than you. He felt a little emotionally flat. 
wasn't digging the sermons, wasn't feeling God. Do you know what he asked for? Second Kings 3.15. He said, bring me a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. Do you know why we start with worship when you come to church? So that the hand of the Lord comes upon you. Because without his hand, my words won't work. You need his hand on your marriage. You need his hand on your life. And so here's what Joshua says. We're going to start with worship. I thought this was a war. Can you imagine telling soldiers we're going to start with singing? <laughs> you got all these Navy SEALs. Feel free to join in. <laughs> I just want to shoot someone. Can you imagine? The three spiritual weapons to attack Jericho. The first was worship. The second is the word of God. So the first, right, we're going to worship. We got all these priests. They're going to blow the ram's horns, right? It's going to sound terrible, but we're trusting Jesus. The second part, I want you to pay very close attention to this. Joshua 6, 8, and 9 says, with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them, the armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets. So we got God's priests in the front worshiping. We got God's soldiers all around them. Then we got the Ark of the Covenant and then we got soldiers again behind them. I want you to see this as the people of God march, the word of God is in the middle. Some of you don't know what's in the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represents the power and essence of God. It was the place where people believed literally the spirit of God existed. But let me tell you what was in the box. Just one thing the 10 commandments, that's it. That's why it's the box of the covenant, the agreement between God and his people. The first commandment in that box says, I am the Lord your God who delivers you out of slavery. They gotta remember who delivers. You gotta remember who delivers. Look, your counselor can help, Jesus delivers. Look, more money might help, Jesus delivers. You gotta remember that. You got to remember that. And the people of God, as they're marching forward, they got the word of God right in the middle of their army. Some of you don't even know where your Bible is. Psalms 119.11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. This week, one of my kids called me, dad, dad, I'm in a Bible study. And, and one of the Christians is saying, premarital sex is okay. What do you think? I said, I think, A, they're not a Christian. B, they're totally ignorant of what they believe as a Christian or C, they're in active rebellion. She said, well, can you give me a verse? I said, how many do you want? And let me tell you where to start if you're a young person and you don't think God cares about premarital sex. Start with 1 Corinthians chapter six. I mean six, because it's all about sex. And then go to 1 Corinthians chapter seven. When the apostle Paul says, it is better to marry than to burn with lust. There's your verse. There's your verse. And I got more of that. You want more of that? And some of you are like, well, the Pope said, well, let me tell you something. You ain't going to stand before the Pope. You're going to stand before the same person the Pope is going to stand before. And his name is Jesus. And he cares about your sex life. You know what was wrong with the Canaanites? A lot of it was their sex life because they did whatever they wanted and they worshiped their bodies and not the one true God who made your body. And things got so bad, so bad, the best person in the city is a prostitute named Rahab. She's the best. She's the best person in that whole city. And God saved her. God redeemed her. God rescued her. 
The next spiritual weapon, and I want you to think about this as you get pumped up. I want you to think about this as you get excited. I want you to think about this as you watch the, the two candidates debate each other for president. Neither of them can do this. The third weapon, the third spiritual weapon that Joshua uses is the silence of men. Let me tell you something. A wise person is not always silent, but he or she knows when to be. And if you're married, write that down. <laughs> write it down. There are some times when words don't help no matter what you say. I love you can be offensive. Joshua 6.10, but Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make your voice heard. The Hebrew says not a peep, not a peep. Amen, parents of children under five, you need to have Joshua hour. <laughs> not a peep. It won't be walls coming down, but your britches, amen. Not a peep. It's holy hour. You shall not make your voice heard neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout, then you'll shout. Why on earth would God want soldiers to shut up for six days as they march around the enemy's territory? Two words, trash talk. How long before it just gets perverse, right? How long? Like whenever I read this, I just think of, you know, the Holy Grail, I farted in your general direction. <laughs> In the name of God, you know, right? Trash talk isn't God talk, it isn't. So God just tells all the soldiers, shut up, shut up. Six days, six days. Some of you have never been quiet for six minutes. Six days, nothing, nothing. Do you know how hard that is? One time I took a vow of silence. This is a true story. I took a vow of silence. I told my wife, I'm not gonna speak for 10 days. So I had to go away from her because she didn't appreciate the vow. And so I went out to Palm Springs, almost got arrested by a cop because they thought I was deaf. And so they got somebody who could sign language and they realized they just thought I was messing with them. I almost went to jail for Jesus. <laughs> but literally, you know why I had to shut up? Sometimes you gotta shut up to hear God speak. Like some of you, God's like, yeah, yeah, I've heard what you're saying. Now I need you to hear what I'm saying. Six days, six days, six days. Can you imagine being in the car with your kids for six hours? When are we gonna get there? When are we gonna get there? They go, how many more days we gotta march? This is the stupidest idea forever. Why don't we just take them if God's on our side? Shut up! In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Listen to this, Psalms 62, one. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. You see what armies like to do is intimidate one another and talk about all the terrible things they're gonna do. But sometimes the most powerful words are the ones that aren't said. You gotta think about this. So how do you fight for what you believe in? Look, you don't have to always respond. You know what the problem with social media is? It demands an immediate response. And things are happening so fast, I can't even keep up with the facts. And here's what we found out. Usually the original facts are almost always wrong and almost always exaggerated. And there you go responding in the name of Jesus. Proverbs eleven twelve says this, whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Can you do that? Can you just learn to be quiet just for a second? Well, someone's got to respond to this in the name of Jesus. 
No, 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 just chill. Why don't you, if you really want to see a wall fall, why don't you shut up for six days? Six days. March around your house. Six days. Six days. Some of you moms, has yelling worked? March around their bedroom. Just get in there. Just start, just start walking around. <laughs> right? Let me just ask you, did yelling, does it work? How to fight for what you believe in. Listen to me, you don't always have to have an opinion. Well, yes, I do. The Lord gave me a mouth and I'm going to use it. Yeah, and he gave you two years to tell you to listen twice as often as you speak. Look, most Christians will never say anything to lead somebody to Jesus. But you say things every day that lead people away from Jesus. Right? Thank you for helping me shrink my church. Shh. That's Hebrew for shut up. Shh. I'm not kidding you. Doesn't it sound right? It sounds right. How to fight for what you believe in. Whenever you decide to speak, you always have to represent Jesus. Man, my phone's been blowing up this week. Fox News, CNN. They all want to know, Pastor Matt, what is your response to Governor Newsom putting Riverside County back in the purple zone? Let me tell you something. I wasn't ready to respond. You know why? I was mad. Can I ever, can I ask you this question? Have you ever been mad and thought it came out right? You know what our problems is in our marriages is we don't, we wait to speak until we're ticked. Same thing with our kids. When have you ever yelled at your kid? I just love you so much. We don't do that. We don't do that. We yell when we're angry. My phone's blowing up. Literally, my phone's blowing up. I'm like, how in the heck did CNN get my phone number? And the next text is, I got your phone number from Fox. I'm like, ah! And my wife asked me, are you, are you, are you gonna call him? And I'm like, no, do you know why? I was mad. I was mad. So what's my response to Riverside County being back in the purple? You know what's funny is I didn't even buy this time. I kid you not, a small group in our church did. Purple represents the side of Jesus. And they said, praying for you, Pastor Matt. And this was in my office this week. Isn't it funny how God works? I didn't even know there was a purple zone. Can I be honest with you? I don't know the zones. <laughs> and some of you are like, you need to know the zones. No, I need to know Jesus. Thank you. Amen. So when you do speak for Jesus, what should it come out like? Well, the apostle Paul knows you. He knows people. So he wrote Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be gracious. Always. Seasoned with salt. What does that mean? It means we are here in the name of truth, but we've got to speak it in such a way that people hear truth. And I don't know about you, but I don't listen real well when I'm being yelled at. I don't like it. I don't like being yelled at. You ever had a fight with your spouse over whose tone is worse? Watch your tone. You watch your tone. You lower voice. You lower your voice. Stop shouting. I'm not shouting. You want to hear shouting? Right? Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. So that, listen, so that you may know how you ought, keyword ought, to answer each person. 
Well, truth is truth, pastor. Well, not if they don't hear it. Truth is truth. Don't you remember being in school and some math teacher just mad at you because you didn't get it? Well, maybe they ought to teach it differently. Well, why, do, why are we so mad at the world when they don't get Jesus? Maybe we need to teach it a little differently. Because everybody learns different, right, teachers? Everybody hears different. Some people are not ready to hear it, and so you got to wait. You got to wait. You got to watch your tone. And let me say this, the more people that are listening, the more important it is that you get this right. I learned this lesson a long time ago. Nothing dies on the internet. There are things that if you Google my name, you will see that I said, that I regret saying, that I wish I didn't say, but I can never make them go away. When I've been foolish and shot my mouth off in the past, oftentimes it prevents me from today and in the future to leading somebody to Jesus. Things online last longer than you. Be so careful with what you say. Because here's the thing I've learned. People will remember your sins and attacks. They never remember your apology. So be careful. Be careful. What's the old saying? Measure twice, cut once. Make sure that you are measured before you say what you need to say. So God says, we're going to walk around the city six times. And you're going to shut up. You're going to think about this. And then I'm going to give you one opportunity to shout. One. You know, when we're trying to lead people to Jesus, sometimes I believe truly we got one shot. We got one shot. Some of you show up to church, you're all irritated. Oh my gosh, we got to be outside, inside, outside, mask, no mask. Look, if you're already saved, shut up. God's not trying to reach you. He's trying to reach somebody else. And we got one shot at this person who came to church one time. One time. Look, a couple weeks ago, I was preaching live at Hunter Park, and right as I began to give the invitation, a woman jumped on stage. Why do you think she jumped on stage when I was going to give the invitation? Because that was my one shot at people. That was my one shot. And that, well, you know, right when we come to the end, you're packing your purse, you're getting ready to go, we got to beat the traffic. Look, I hope there's a traffic jam in heaven because of us. But some of you are so busy getting home because you've done your work for the day. Thank you. Just sit down, be quiet, shtut, <laughs> and let God speak. Let God speak. Last point. How do we fight for what you believe in? And look, these aren't all the tools. These aren't all the weapons. I'm talking about the weapons that Joshua used. The last thing that he did is he shouted for God, but not a people. Look, do the people in your life that you love know what you're for or do they only know what you're against? What is, what is God for? What do you shout for? What gets you excited? What are you pumped up against, right? We're all worried about what we're against. What are we for? What are we for? This is what's driven me crazy about the two presidential candidates. I, I've heard them sling mud at each other. What are you for? What are you gonna do? And there's so much yelling going on, there's been no discussion about the future. All we've heard is, well, he's the devil. No, he's the devil. What are you gonna do? What are you for? Joshua 6, 15 and 17. On the seventh day, 
The seventh day, the seventh day is an important day. It's the day God rested and it's the day Jesus rose. It's an important day. And you need to know in Hebrew, they don't have names for the days of the week. It's literally first day, second day, third day, fourth day. That way people don't get confused, amen? On the seventh day, we call it Sunday. They rose early and at the dawn of the day, they marched around the city in the same manner seven times. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shoot, shoot, shoot. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times, seven times. And that's where some of you guys are right now. Well, I'm tired of going to church. I'm tired of praying. I just want to see God move. I want you to know that some of you guys, you quit believing in God on the sixth lap. There's another guy in the Bible named Naaman and he's got a dip in the dirty, gross Jordan River seven times. He thought it was ridiculous. He thought it was stupid. He thought it was foolish. But the seventh time he went down, he came up and his skin was like a baby, the Bible said. He was healed. Don't miss your miracle because you give up. I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I know COVID has lasted so much longer than we thought. I know things are so hard. I know some of you with little kids, you haven't slept. I know some of you have lost your jobs. There's not enough money. I know some of you are so frustrated with our politicians who can't get anything done. I want you to know your eyes, your focus, your attention needs to be on God because he's still working. And we got to keep marching and we got to keep circling the city and we can't give up and we can't give in because God's about ready to move. And the seventh time when the priest had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, remember, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. He says, shout for the Lord has given you the city and the city and all that is within it will be devoted. This is, it's an offering of destruction. God is awesome. Some of you are like, I want to kick some butt in the name of Jesus. God's like, wait, wait, because it's coming. It's coming and my Jesus who died on a cross is coming back on a horse and his robe is dipped in blood. Oh man, it's going to be awesome. When you hear that dude shouting, running around with his shirt off, it's me. Yeah, I'm on the side of Jesus. It's going to be great. Listen to this. In the midst of his charge to shout for God, Joshua says, only Rahab the prostitute and all who are within her house shall live. Isn't that amazing? That in the midst of battle, in the moment of a scream, Joshua reminds the people of God to keep their word. Isn't that amazing? Even in the heat of battle, believers, we have to keep our words. Our word is our bond. Oh, I wish I didn't say it. God doesn't care. Your word is your bond. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout and the wall fell flat, bam! Bam, and if you read, if you go and you Google it, here's what Google's gonna tell you. Nobody destroyed the city of Jericho. The city of Jericho was destroyed in an earthquake. Okay, who made it shook? Who shook it? Who shook the ground? This is the same God. When Jonah said, I'm not gonna be obedient, God Ubered a whale. <laughs> well, that was a coincidence. Jonah just happened to fall off the boat at the exact same time the whale's mouth was open. Or God's in control. The same God who yelled at the storm to shut up, be still, be quiet, shoot. And it did, remember that? And the disciples were like, well, who is this? Jesus. That same God can summon an earthquake. And the walls of Jericho fell flat. 
you know how we know that? Because there's no burn signs in Jericho. All the food is fully contained in the collapsed walls. The people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. They captured the city. Don't shout at the TV. Anybody do that? Men, am I talking to you? Don't shout at the TV. Shout for God. Oh, I'm not a worshiper. You are when the Dodgers are winning. Come on! You'll yell, go blue, but you won't yell, go Jesus. Oh, you'll fall on your face for Kershaw, but not for Christ. Don't shout at the TV, shout for God. Don't shout at your kids. Shout for God, shout for what you're for. God, I need you in this house. God, I need you in this home. God, I need you in this place. If there's darkness in your home, shout for God. If you wanna see walls fall down, you're not connecting with your teenager. No matter what you say, it's lame. You're not the first parent to experience this. Counselors can't make walls come down, but Jesus is in the business of making them fall flat. Shout for God, God help me. I love this kid so much. I care about this kid so much. I care about this marriage. I care about these people. I care about my church. I care about this state. God make the wall fall. Don't shout at your spouse. Don't. My worst moment, my worst moment over COVID. I kid you not. You know, the fight started, I, I'm not exaggerating. While we were watching church, the pastor's sermon was amazing. I was preaching. <laughs> we were watching, I was telling my wife, I was like, this guy's so good. I just, I feel like we have this connection. I didn't say that, but we were watching myself preach, which is weird. My wife gets up presses pause on the TV and we have our biggest fight as a family we've had in a year. In the middle of church, everybody's shouting at everybody. I shouted at my kid, I shouted at my wife. You know who I never shouted to? Never once, God. God help us, help us! The pastor's sermon was amazing, help us! Don't shout at your family. Don't shout at your friends. Don't shout at the Democrats or the Republicans. Don't shout at random idiots. You ever done that in the car? They can't hear you. <laughs> shout for God. Look, if shouting at people worked, there wouldn't be any problems. Amen? Amen. Shout for God. Let me ask you right now as we enter into a time of worship, has God ever heard your cry? Has God ever heard your battle cry? No more, no more porn, no more anger, no more rage, no more drugs, no more addiction, no more. Has God ever heard you cry out? Has God ever heard you shout? I want God to hear you today. I want God to hear us today. Let's shout for God so the walls in our marriage can fall. The walls with our kids can fall. The walls with our friends can fall. The walls between Democrats and Republicans in our church can fall. Let's shout to God and let's invite God into our lives so that he can begin to move, amen? amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus, God, we shout, we shout. God, we wanna exercise the same power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. We shout to you and we ask God that you raise our dead marriage. You raise our dead relationship. God, you raise our dead finances. We shout to you, God, and we ask you to move.
And we ask you to tear down these walls. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Worship is our response to the battle. It's our obedience. And because he is our God, worship is also our victory. Come on, let's sing this together. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. And I'm going to say a
This time of singing and maybe even shouting for some of us was awesome. It really is amazing how much we need that and how God is looking for that from us. I love that no matter what is happening throughout my week, I can always look to this time each week to lift my hands, cry out to God, sing his praises, and sometimes even shout to the Lord. We help you do this each week through these services, but I want you to know that we have developed an app to actually help you to get in God's word through Bible reading plans, discover how to, how to get out of isolation in community groups, to grow in your faith. You can go to sandalschurch.com app to get these amazing resources. And this Tuesday right here, Pastor Matt will be having a real conversation about worship. Make sure you are tuned in for this amazing time to discover worship and what it's all about. My Sandals Church family, 
I have enjoyed our time today. I pray that this week you will shout to God and be the church, knowing our weapon is our worship. We'll see you back here next week. Thank you.